Racism is uh, a belief uh, that groups of humans or different groups of people possess different behavioral traits and those behavioral traits correspond to physical appearance uh, and it can be divided uh, based on the superiority of one race over another race. Um, we also see that um, uh, racism means that there will be things like prejudice, discrimination, all of those types of things that are going to challenge us, those types of things that are going to um, really define who we are. Um, the issue of racism has been one that the, the world has, dealt, has been dealing with forever. It's one that the church has dealt with. If you look historically in the church, especially back in the 16th and 17th centuries, during a time that was known as the Reformation, it's a time where the, the Christian church or the Catholic church was starting to split and starting to divide itself over many of the uh, uh, beliefs and the systems uh, that were uh, taking place back there, especially in the Catholic church. Um, one of the things that the hierarchy, uh, the Christian religious hierarchy was dealing with, believe it or not, was whether or not African-Americans, uh, as well as Indians, uh, had souls. Did they have an eternal soul that needed to be considered uh, by the church? And did they have a soul that needed to be you know, nurtured to, to have faith in God and to grow uh, in relationship with God? Did they have an eternal being or presence about themselves? Uh, that was one of the things that was being discussed in the early church. Uh, also, they talked about whether or not these individuals were actually fully human. Now, can you imagine, can you imagine the religious hierarchy today talking about whether or not uh, individuals, uh, because of their race, were really fully human uh, and whether or not uh, they had an eternal soul. But this was one of the debates that was taking place uh, in the church. And it was part of the reason that we have uh, racism today. It kind of festered it a little bit, but it's not the only one. You know, look uh, historically in our nation, and we had a slave-based economy uh, in the South for many, many decades, many, many years. Uh, the slave-based economy actually uh, necessitated almost a racial type of system. And consequently, in trying to defend this racial system, this uh, uh, slave-based economy, they came up with scientists and people and politicians and whatever. They came, with, came up with all kinds of reasoning to justify it. Some of it was biological, some of it was zoological. I mean, there was all kinds of reasons that they came up with uh, to support uh, this particular system. So honestly, racism has existed uh, for centuries and in many different ways. I'm not pointing a finger at any one group or organization as far as, you know, they're the cause of it or they're the reason that it, no. It was a combination of many different things, many different outlooks, uh, many different uh, good and bad people uh, in their perspectives. Uh, it was just something that kind of developed and has been there for eons.
you know, forever. It's racism has been with us. So I want to introduce you to somebody. Her name is Alice. Alice was an African-American woman uh, who came off of a plantation in Savannah, Georgia. Well, Alice didn't know her real name. She didn't know uh, when she was born, what year or, or what month. And she didn't even know where she was born, actually. And she couldn't read or write. Uh, Alice um, was a woman that had a complete history based on plantations and, you know, racism. And it was, it was an awful time in our nation's history. And this woman took the blunt of it. She grew up mainly on a plantation. Uh, but then she ended up coming to work for uh, my mom's family. And if you see there in the picture, Alice is actually holding my mother uh, when she was very, very young. They had a fix-it shop and a tent shop uh, that they operated. I believe my grandmother was actually a nurse, I think, if, if I'm right. I think that was the case. And uh, Alice came to work with the family and to become a part of the family um, is, is a way to kind of make everything balance out. Well, as my mom told me in a conversation we had once, she said, you know, she said, Alice really kind of became part of the family. You know, she came to work for us and she came to, you know, do various different jobs and chores and things of that nature. But uh, she became a part of the family and we cared for her and loved her. And, and, and in return, she cared for us and loved us, too. You know, Alice, um, it wasn't just a job for her, it was actually a family for her. And my mom spoke of her very fondly. But one day when, when my mom was very young, uh, her mom and dad had both passed away. Uh, they had passed away at different times. And all of a sudden there's this white family, all this white group of kids uh, without a mom and a dad, and this African-American woman who was taking care of them, and she had huge choices ahead of her that she needed to make. You know, do I hang in there? You know, these kids need me. Do I turn them over to the authorities? Uh, what, what is it that we do? Well, the thing that I love about this story is uh, not only that it's my, part of my heritage, but, but um, my, mom's, my mom spoke very fondly of Alice, and talked about how she took care of the family, took care of the kids uh, after both of her parents had passed away. This was a choice that Alice made on her own. She didn't have to do this. You know, she saw this group of people that she had come to know and love that were devastated by the loss of their parents. And, and Alice decided to respond to it. She decided to, to be part of the answer to it. You know, Alice chose to put aside, you know, the bitterness and the anguish and, the, you know, any of the racist things that took place in her own life uh, in order to care for this family, uh, this white family in Savannah, Georgia, during a time when, when it wasn't very easy. I remember my mom telling me that there was, there was a lot of issues that Alice had to deal with in order to care for the family after uh, her mom and dad had, had, had died. 
She said one night they were woken up by this commotion in front of the place that they were living. And she said, my mom said she looked out the window and saw a cross burning out front with a group of people. And this was uh, a time that um, scared them, made them wonder what was going on. And she said that Alice gave them comfort and said, don't worry, everything is going to be okay. And so my mom said she just went back to bed. Think about this for a second. This woman who had every reason to be bitter, to be filled with, uh, you know, selfishness and anger and, and, you know, wanting retaliation and uh, who knows. Instead, she puts all of that aside. She puts it aside in order to care for this family that's been devastated by the loss of their parents. I think remarkably, I think that this person really exemplifies the way that uh, God looks at people and how God would want us uh, to respond to people. Alice chose this path. She didn't have to do it, uh, but she was a woman of integrity, I believe. You know, especially when you're there with a group of kids, you're taking care of it, you know the situation, and they're burning a cross out front. I don't know, man. I would have, I might have just headed for the hills. I don't know. But Alice chose to respond to the situation and the racism in her life in a very loving and godly fashion. Very loving and godly fashion. So it makes me ask the question, how is it, how does God uh, look at racism and what does the scriptures say about racism? Well, here's one example here. Um, This comes out of the book of Deuteronomy. And it says that God cares about people, regardless of their ethnicity, their nationality, and their social status. It flat doesn't make any difference. God looks at people and he says, you know, they're my creation. I've created everybody in my image, and I've also created everybody different. And I value these people. I value my creation, and I love my creation. He says, I don't hold one over top of the other. You're all equal in the sight of your creator. Scripture also tells us here that, that, well, let's take a look. God does not show favoritism, but accepts from every nation the one who fears him and does what is right. Well, that comes out of the book of Acts. And what God is saying here, what scripture is telling us is that God does not hold one person over the other. As I said, no favoritism. Um, but to to fear him and to do what's right. You can change that a little bit to say that love God uh, and realize who God is and that God is a God of justice and there are certain demands and he makes upon our life. And uh, God also respects the fact that uh, that you try and do what's right. I think like Alice was trying to do what is right. That's the way that the Christian should be looking at and responding Uh, to all the issues of racism. That's the goal. Alice did not have to do what she did. She didn't have to stay. She could have turned those kids over to the authorities, and she could have moved on, and she could have tried to carve out a life for herself doing other things in another place. But but with a family that that was as desperate as what they were, 
obviously she she sought to do the right thing. And I think her response was a very godly response, especially when it put her own persecution aside. She put all of her own disadvantages aside for the sake of others. And my mom told me it wasn't easy for her at all to make these choices or to live this uh, thing out, especially when they're burning crosses, because they're also it also came with a lot of hate and antagonism and, and all of those types of things. What do we look at? What do we find of value uh, in the scriptures that I've read, in the life that Alice, uh, the little that we know about it? What do we find there as far as answers uh, to the issue of racism in our world today? I think the the answer lies, again, in our relationship with Jesus, but also in the way that we respond to racism. Are we willing to put our own feelings and thoughts and things aside for the benefit of another individual? That's what Alice did. Like I said, she could have been the victim. She could have gone down that road fully, but she didn't. You know, she didn't. She chose to care for these kids. She chose to see value in other human beings. She chose to put all of the things that had been painful to herself during her life aside for the, for the simple fact, the simple caring for this family that was devastated. May you and I start to do the same thing if we haven't already. May you and I start to value people in the same way that Alice did, where, you know, my own feelings and my own hurts and disappointments don't make as much difference as the welfare of another individual. Listen to what I'm saying. That we would consider ourselves less and other people more. I think is the answer to racism in our world. I think it's the way that we'll overcome these things that have been with us for centuries. It's not a new problem. But it comes and starts with a, a change of the human heart. Now, I don't know about you, but you know, you can you can demonstrate, you can hold rallies, you can you can do all kinds of things. But somehow my heart needs to change in a way where I choose to value other people as much or more than myself. I need to look at an individual and say, that is a person of tremendous worth, not only to God, but also to me.